Our message this morning is, is, is from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. Now this, this past week, last week, we, we talked about how in Christ we have unity in the gospel. We talked about how we are each unique children, unique rooms in a house whose foundation is Jesus Christ. And that because of that foundation, we are unified. Christ has unified us in himself through the gospel. All of us, no matter how different we may be, unified in Christ. Part of the house of God. This week, the house imagery is continued. But instead of it being a picture of the the whole of the Christian faith, it is a picture of us as, as individuals. In our passage this morning, Paul talks about each of us as a dwelling place of Christ. A house that that Christ lives in. And how Christ in us, as well as the Spirit at work in us, allows us to have a better view of His love for us. As we rest in God's Word this morning, may it speak to each of us words of encouragement and comfort. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. Paul writes, we read the Word of the Lord. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, for your word is truth. God, I pray that you would speak through your word today. Pray that you would perform the miracle that feeds our souls. Pray this in your name. Amen. <coughs> so any of us watch uh, HGTV? Any, anybody out there uh, subject to that that? black hole of, of television. I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't say that I'm, I'm, I'm a huge HGT van, HGTV fan, but you know, I've, I've watched some of their programming. And for those of us that, that don't know, HGTV stands for Home and Garden Television, though I don't really know they spend so much time on the garden. They spend a lot of time on the home. They spend a lot of time on the home. And, and, and it doesn't seem to matter if you like their shows or not. You just, you just tend to get sucked in. You just get sucked in. I've watched hours of HGTV, and I don't even really know why. Like, it's not been on my agenda. I didn't get up that morning and be like, HGTV it is. It's more like I, I walked in, and, and Karen was watching something, and it's like, well, that's, that's a little interesting, I guess. I, I, maybe I'll just see what happens as, as we continue here. It, it's more because of, like, the curiosity in me. Just I, I have to know which house this particular couple is going to end up buying. You know, what, what that porch is going to look like in the end or, or how awesome that dude's man cave is going to turn out to be. 
And, and if all of them are going to be able to stay under the budget, like, is that, is that going to happen? Like, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to find out. Even, even my kids like HGTV, which is a little dangerous, uh, you know, because y- you know you've probably watched too much when your seven-year-old tells you that you should really be thinking about remodeling your bathroom and that your kitchen could really use some work. And it's like, but who are you, man? Like, what do you, get out of here. Like, what are you talking about? Like, you're going to... It cracks me up. Now, if, if I had to pick a show to like on HGTV, it would have to be Fixer Upper. Now, it's no longer there, that, you know, but the show is decent as far as home renovation shows go. Chip and Joanna Gaines would, would take a couple around Waco, Texas and, and look to buy a house that they could fix up. They'd give them three choices of some run-down, beat-up, not-so-nice place and then, and then give them some vision for what that place could be within the couple's budget. The couple would, would choose a house from the three and then Chip and Joanna would go in and remodel the house, give it a facelift, form it to match the vision that had been cast. And then when the remodel was complete, they would present the house to the couple. How would it make you feel if I were to compare you to one of these beat up houses in need of redecoration, in need of a facelift? And regardless of how it would make you feel, I'm, I'm going to do it anyway. Because it's true. Each of us is a house in need of revenue. Uh, renovation. Each one of us has sin in, in his or her life, and that, that sin is wreaking havoc in the house. It's, it's putting dents in the walls. It's, it's flooding the basement. It's putting up walls that don't belong there. It's damaging the wiring in the house. It's breaking the furniture. It's staining the carpet. It's putting cracks in the windows. And when we hear this and and we recognize the truth, our first inclination, our first thought is that, well, we've got to get cleaning. We got some fixing to do, right? We got a ton of work to do to make our houses, our lives more presentable. We, We strive to get our acts together. We tell ourselves that we'll make better choices from here on out. We're, we're going to be better people. We're going to do the right thing. We're going to live lives that God can be proud of. We're going to fix our houses so that we have some place that God would be comfortable living in. I'm going to stop swearing. I'm going to stop speeding. Right? I'm not going to gossip anymore. I'm going to try and keep my addictions under control. I'm going to stop lying. I'm going to stop lusting. I'm going to stop being jealous. I'm, going to, I'm not going to steal anymore. And, and the list goes on. I'm going to get my house in order. I'm going to repair this broken house I call a life. And God is going to be so happy to live here once I've got it all together. Any of us ever been there? Any of us tried to renovate our own spiritual houses? Any of us tried to eliminate the sin in our lives on our own? Tried to be an acceptable place for God to take up residence? Have any of us tried to be worthy of God? 
If this is you, the, the, if this, is you this morning, and, and Lord knows it's been me at times in my life, I've got some good news and some bad news. The bad news first, on your own, you'll never be worthy of God. With the repairs and renovations you try by yourself, your house will never get itself in order. Apart from Jesus, we cannot live lives that are pleasing, that are worthy to God. But the good news is that Jesus wants to live in our broken down, beat up houses. We don't have to get everything fixed before he moves in. Romans 5.8 tells us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to get our affairs in order. He didn't wait for our houses to be immaculate, to be worthy, a worthy dwelling place. He died for us when our houses were a total wreck, beyond repair. Thanks be to God. But that doesn't mean that God wants our houses to remain disasters. He doesn't come, unpack his bags, recline on the bed, and watch the roof leak. We know, this pas- we know this because our passage this morning tells us that he has sent someone to do renovations. He has sent the Holy Spirit. Verse 16, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Paul is praying that the Ephesians would be strengthened through the power of the spirit that has been given them. When the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our lives, he redecorates our souls with his holy character. As Richard Koken put it, when the Holy Spirit makes himself at home, he constantly renovates our hearts to make us a more appropriate house for the Lord Jesus. Because the Lord Jesus is not merely dropping in briefly. He's staying. He's staying. When someone is just visiting, just stopping in for a short while, you know, they live out of their suitcase. They try not to disturb the room that they're staying in. When someone moves into a new home, however, they change the wallpaper. They paint the ceiling. They replace the carpet and they get rid of that old furniture. And when the spirit moves in, he gradually redecorates the whole house. No room is spared. Room by room he moves and down comes the horrible old wallpapers of selfishness. Replaced by the new wallpaper called love. The, the old ceilings darkened by fear and death are repainted with the bright colors of hope in the resurrection of Jesus. Filthy old carpets stained by years of immorality are replaced with clean new carpets of purity and kindness. And rickety old furniture of idolatry is gradually replaced with sparkling new ministries that worship Jesus. Now in this life, our houses will never reach perfection. We still have an old nature, a part of us that that longs to sin, that is tied to our flesh, that, that in this life we will never be rid of. And that sinful part of us is is hastily putting back up the old wallpaper, grabbing furniture out of the dumpster and and trying to put it back in the house, painting where it can and staining where it can. This is a battle that will wage within us until we leave our mortal bodies behind. The Holy Spirit 
working in us for our sanctification, making us more and more like Christ, causing us to desire the things of God, to desire to follow and obey His laws, and the old nature pulling us towards sin, pulling us away from God and His plan for us. And though this this battle rages, know that no matter how many times we may fall, no matter how many times we are seduced by the longings of the old nature, our sinful selves, the renovator, the Holy Spirit will not give up on us. God does not give up on us. And so as we recognize this renovation battle that is taking place in our hearts, I am struck by Paul's prayer for the Ephesians. What a gift. What an example. He is praying that they would be strengthened by the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit would be strengthened in the fight against the old nature. He carries this on through verses 17 to 19. That that in the strength given by the Holy Spirit, they would rest in the power of Christ. That they would recognize that their faith, faith, their salvation is built on the cornerstone of Jesus. And that they would no longer, or that, sorry, and that they would be able to grasp how long, how wide, how deep, and how high God's love is for them. That they may be filled with the fullness of God. And that, that really hit me this week. That it is through the Spirit that I am able to understand how much God loves me. That I don't have the ability on my own to grasp just how huge God's love is for me. And that makes sense. Because in our sinful nature, we have a pretty messed up view of love. How many of us have have been in love and and had had our heart broken? Why does it hurt so much? we are rejected by someone we care about. First of all, we have been denied the affection that we desired. And and being told that we can't have what we want is, is never fun. But that's the smaller piece. The larger piece, the bigger piece, is the rejection. In our relationships with other people, we we tend to see love as validation. If if someone loves us back, then we have earned it in some way. Whether it was because we spend an extra half hour or three hours making ourselves presentable to the object of our affection, or because we timed our jokes properly, or, or we could afford to buy them their favorite meal at their favorite restaurant. Whatever the reason for their affection, we have received it because in some way, We are worthy of it. And so if we are rejected, the rejection, it cuts to the core. It hits us where we are vulnerable. We were unable to live up to the expectations to meet the desires of the one that we desire. And so we feel vulnerable. We feel hurt. We feel useless. We feel abandoned. We feel as if we are not good enough and can never be good enough. Rejection affects our self-worth. And so we do whatever we can to avoid it while doing whatever we can to earn the love of the one we desire. When I think of how we view 
love in our old sinful nature, I'm reminded of a story about an adopted girl that I heard once. There was a family who who adopted an, an older child from an unspeakably horrific orphanage in another country. When they brought her home, one of the things they told her was that she was expected to clean her room every day. And when she heard about that responsibility, she, she, like, she fixated on it. She just, like, this is, this is the way that she would earn her family's love. In other words, she isolated the responsibility and, and applied it to her existing frame of thinking that, that she was shaped by in this life, in this orphanage. And so every morning when her parents came into her room, it was immaculate. And she would sit on the bed and she would say, my room is clean. Can I stay? Do you still love me? My room, my room is clean. Like the adopted girl, we try to earn love by doing the things that we think we're expected to do. That goes for our horizontal relationships, the relationships that we have here on earth, but it it can also happen to our vertical relationship, our our relationship with God as well. How often have we been the adopted child sitting on the edge of the bed looking up at our Heavenly Father and saying, my room is clean. I didn't act on my lust today or I I didn't think poorly about about someone out loud today. Can, Can I stay? Do you still love me. Every time the girl asked her new parents these questions, her words just broke her parents' hearts. Eventually, the the girl learned to hear her parents' words as their unconditional beloved child who would never be forsaken, not as a visitor trying to earn her parents' love, earn her place in the family. After she knew that, She was an inseparable part of the family's story. Even correction and discipline did not cause her to question her family's love for her. She understood correction and discipline to be part of what it meant to be in the family. Paul's prayer for the Ephesians is that they would have their eyes opened, that they would be strengthened in the spirit, So that they, like this adopted girl, would understand the love that God has for them. That they would have an idea, that they would have more than just an inkling of how great, how deep, how wide, how everlasting God's love is for them. Let that be our prayer as well. For the God that loves the Ephesians is the same God that loves you and me. Let us pray for each other that the Spirit would be strengthened within us. That through the Spirit, we would recognize the depth of God's love for us. One of my favorite illustrations of God's love for us comes from a verse in a hymn that we'll be singing in a few minutes. The love of God. And the verse, the verse goes like this. Could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made? Were every stock on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. If all of the water on earth was ink and 
and the sky a parchment, a piece of paper. And every stalk, every tree, every blade of grass, a pen. And each of us, scribes by trade, each of us, this is what we did, we wrote for a living. To write the love of God would drain all the ink in the ocean and would cover all the parchment in the sky. What a picture. This is not a love that we earned, not a love that we deserved, a love that we have been given, a love that surpasses all knowledge, as our verses tell us today. This is a love that we can't even fully understand, a love that we don't qualify for, but has been given freely to us. How amazing is that? And as we come to grips with this love of Christ, we are filled with the fullness of God. The fullness of his grace, the fullness of his mercy, the fullness of his goodness towards us. I pray that each of us might grasp the fullness of God's love for them. And that in understanding his love for us, it might overflow into our actions. That we would be more like Christ and less like our old selves. That his love might overflow into our relationships with our neighbors. That we would proclaim his goodness and his love for them. In spite of their need. In spite of their messy, beat up houses. God is so good. Amen.